When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 371, and today we are talking about books being released on July 19th, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Or should I say anonymous unicorn, as it says in our Google Doc. Not really an anonymous unicorn, Tears, if like you're the only person who uses this document besides me. I know your secret identity. Uh, My cover has been blown. (laughs) It's pretty funny. I love the little animals that they use and stuff, though, in Google Docs for like, you know, anonymous capybara. Yes. Anonymous baby hippo and stuff. They're so cute. Yes. I like the anonymous aardvark myself. Ooh, that's a good one. So, speaking of critters, I have had a very exciting week because, like, we haven't had very many hummingbirds. Like, hummingbirds are so rad. If you've never seen a hummingbird, like, in person, it's amazing. They're, like, the size of your thumb, and you don't see their wings, and they're just as incredible as you imagine they are. And so, we've had them before, but, like, this year we haven't had any. So, my friend was telling me, like, oh, try doing this with your feeder, and... They don't like if, if ants are around it, so, like, try washing the stand with vinegar. So, like, yesterday morning I went out and I cleaned the feeder again, and I washed the stand with vinegar. And a little while later, like, I went out to our butterfly bush. I have to walk around it to get to the bird bath. I was going to fill it. And I looked, and there was a hummingbird moth. Ooh. Which, if you've never seen a hummingbird moth, they are so cool. They're, like, the size of hummingbirds. They're huge, and they're pink and yellow, and they have big, long noses, just like a hummingbird beak. And it was so exciting. I guess that I should have specified, like, what kind of hummingbird I was looking for when I cleaned the feeder, but I'll take it. And I got this, like, really cool video of it, which was very exciting. Because last year, I was cat-sitting for my friend, and her driveway is surrounded by butterfly bushes, and... I pulled into her driveway and I opened my door and it took me a moment to like realize like I don't know what I'm looking at. It's like this giant flapping moth thing. And it was so big and it was like basically like, get back in the car. I was just like, what is that? You know, and so I Googled it. It was like pink and yellow and moth and long nose and it was like hummingbird moth. Interesting. Yeah. I was very excited. Very, very That is so cool. Yeah. I liked it. You know, this is my house. I've lived here for many years, but there's still surprises, you know, going on. Last year, I was talking... Last year. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Time goes by so fast. Last week, you know, I was talking about, like, there was a moth on the the floodlight at night that was throwing this shadow in my yard that looked like a person. Oh, my gosh. You know? Maybe it was the hummingbird moth. They're so big. But they're super cool. I know not everyone's into... Everyone is into bugs, I should say. So, like, if you're not, you don't want to Google it, but they're pretty fun. That's really cool. That's my exciting story for today. I'm not nearly as wound up as last week. <laughs> last week, Vanessa and I were super silly. This week, I feel moderately silly. You know, it's nice to have a little range of silliness. I, I hear you. 
Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I mean, my one, like, little addition to fun and surprising things that happen around your house is I have not lived in my current house for quite a year. So sometimes there are surprising outdoor um, developments. And I came home from a trip and I found that a tree in my backyard was full of cherries. So we got to pick cherries. It was <gasps> awesome. It was really That's cool. Amazing. Yeah. They're sour cherries. So, but still, it was really cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't know what any kind of the trees are. I'm really bad at trees. Like, I don't know what any of them are. My husband is really good at them. He'll be like, that's an oak. That's a maple. That's a, I'm like, that's a tree with green leaves. That's a tree <laughs> with red leaves. Now all the leaves are red. Now they're all brown. <laughs> like, I don't know. I have no idea. So all I know about really is books, which books. we are going to talk about now. Uh, but before we do that, we have a little housekeeping to do. We want to remind you that you can come work with the Riot team we are hiring an editorial operations associate. If you love getting into the nitty gritty of behind the scenes work and you want to help us keep our metaphorical content trains running smoothly and try to wrangle me, you can apply for this job and work with the Ed Ops team to support editorial and the Book Riot writers. And we want to remind you that we are committed to building an inclusive workforce and strongly encourage applications from women, individuals with disabilities, and people of color. So you can apply by August 8th, 2022. I mean, I guess it's kind of obvious like what the year is, but then I guess if you're listening to this in the future, you know, if podcasts are a thing in a couple of years... Uh, then you probably want to know the date. Uh, so go to bookriot.com slash join dash us to apply for that position. And now we're going to hear from our first sponsor. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. So I'm so in love with my first pick today. It's, I don't know that I'm going to do a good job explaining it because it's just so much and I love it. It's The Force of Such Beauty by Barbara Borland. This novel sucked me right in. The cover is gorgeous. And at first, when I read the description of it, I kind of got the wrong idea about it. It said, like, this woman becomes the princess of, like, a little tiny castle. And I imagined, like, like Polly Pockets. Like, <laughs> somehow she gets shrunk down and becomes the princess of a little tiny castle. But no, that is not exactly what happens here. Uh, this book is about a woman named Caroline. I'm not spoiling anything by telling you that in the first few pages of the book, Caroline is fleeing her home. She is uh, using card keys to get out of this building, and she's wearing nothing but a jacket that she's cinched up, a trench coat, and some shoes, and she's stealing the help's car, and she's headed to the airport. And she's even, like, she's so determined to get away. She's left her children behind. She's in a panic. She doesn't know who, like, what, like, who is she that she could leave her children behind, but she needs to get away. And she gets to the airport, and she's in line, but everyone starts recognizing her because it turns out she is a princess. Mm. And then her service shows up, her husband's bodyguards, and they bring her back to the castle. And then we learn the story of Caroline. 
goes back to when Caroline was 22. She was an Olympic-winning runner. She ran long distance. Uh, she won gold medals. She broke the world record for long distance running. And it starts, it's, it's uh, like I said, it's 2020. She's 22, did I say? It start, and it starts in 22, 2002. I can't say the numbers today. And you know, she's from South Africa. And we learn about like a little bit about when she was young. But mostly we know that shortly after she breaks the world record, shortly after she wins her gold medal, because of the extensive training that she has been doing, because of the strain that she has been putting on her body by just practicing and running nonstop, uh, she has this fall. Her body has, I think it's osteoarthritis, and her cartilage is weakening and disintegrating. And it just sort of slips out of place in her hip and her hip becomes dislocated and she falls and smashes her face on the ground and shatters like the entire like one side of her face. And so she's sent by the sponsors who um, give her money, basically, for for what she does. Uh, They send her to America to this very, very, very fancy recovery center where she has several reconstructive surgeries. They have to rebuild that side of her face. Um, they have to give her a plastic hip. And they're un- because her face was shattered, they're unable to like make it look exactly like it was. So what ends up happening is they give her a cheek filler and then they give her one on the other side to match it. And they, they have to do some more like reconstructive surgery on her face. So she doesn't quite look like she used to. And while she's there, she meets another patient named Finn. Finn is a giant. That's what she calls him, basically. He's really tall and really broad, and he's very mysterious, and she's attracted to him. He's there because he's wrecked his knee, and they have a short conversation, and she finds that she can't stop thinking about him. But she meets him once, and then he's gone from the the center. Uh, So now... Caroline's trying to decide what she's going to do. She needs to figure out her life. Her running career is over. Like, there's there's no coming back from what happened to her. She's all done. She has an offer to go live with her friends in Lisbon, which she decides to take them up on. But her life is also very different because, because of the reconstructive surgery that she had on her face. She's gone from being lovely to unbelievably stunning. People stop and stare at her wherever she goes. And this is very different to her. She's not used to this. And she's, like, living in Lisbon, and she's trying to figure out what she wants to do with for money. She's not super into her friends that she's staying with, and she keeps running into Finn. And after, like, the third or fourth encounter where, like, he's at some event that she's uh, talking at because she's now going to be a motivational speaker, um, she finds out that he is the Prince of Lucamo, which is the richest country in the world. A tiny, tiny, tiny little country in Europe. This is not a real place, obviously, but it's basically based on Monaco. It's like a super fabulously wealthy country, has a casino, and they call it the European Shanghai in the book uh, because it's like the wealthiest nation in the world. Also, I looked up Lucamo because I was like, this isn't a real place, but it was Etruscan for king, which I thought was interesting. Um, and so she finds out he's a prince and she's running out of money. She's, but like, she's super into him. Like, there's an obvious attraction. They're really into each other, but things are weird when, like, you know, her potential boyfriend has, like, you know, armored cars and tons of people around him. And, you know, she's like 
she has had her heart broken before, so she's being kind of, like, coy and trying to play it safe with him. But also, she doesn't have any money. And she's supposed to, like, supposed to marry a prince, right? Like, isn't that what, like, they've been telling young women since they were little girls? Like, you want to grow up and marry a prince. And so he says, you want to get married? And she says, yeah, let's get married. Um, and she is whisked away to his castle, just like that. And it's called the Talon. It's in Lucamo. And it is just the epitome of excess. Just like jeweled this and, you know, like growing vines all along the walls and flowers and gilded this and fancy that. And she just cannot believe it. But it's actually going to turn out to be more like a prison because she quickly learns that there are millions of little rules and customs that she has to obey. Uh, his mother, the queen, is a nightmare. And she has a really mean bird that goes everywhere with her. And she finds out that she's, like, they get married right away. And she finds out that she's immediately expected to have children. And every inch of her life is now controlled by someone else. Down to what she wears, what she says, what she eats, how often she can exercise, if she's allowed to leave the palace. Like, she's not allowed to do anything. And her husband has sort of kind of, like, disappeared and, like, left her with this life um, he's not exactly who she thought he was, and he's not really doing much to help her out. You know, she kind of hates this. Like, this isn't what she was expecting. And we also go back and learn more about her life as a child. She's from South Africa. When she was 11, Mandela was freed, and her parents fought against apartheid. They fought against the government, which will be a strike against her later, because it's not like her parents fought, you know, against apartheid. It's your parents rose up and challenged, you know, authority. You know, that's all that the queen sees. So that's like a totally different version of events. But we also learned like, you know, she learned she learned to love to run when she was in South Africa. Like that's where she learned to just run all the time. And she's also now learning a lot about her body in a totally different way. Like it was her instrument, it was what she used to to run, to win awards. It was what she was famous for, and now everybody's looking at her differently because She's a striking beauty, and her body is not hard and muscled anymore, but, like, soft and curvy, and she's experiencing a lot of sexual harassment. You know, men feel entitled to stare at her more. Um, the guards and the security people, you know, pat her down a little more, feel around a little more. Men in, in airplanes rub up against her a little more. Even, like, her husband's rich friends feel like they can try to cop a feel, and it's it's all very alarming to her. And she's not enjoying this life so much. But I'm going to stop there because I don't want to like tell you lots more about what happens, even though there's so much more that's going to happen. I will say that I think the ending will be very divisive. It's, I can't tell you what it happens, but I think there are going to be some people who are like, what? And some people are like, yes, that was a great ending. I am on the, the side of, yes, that was a great ending. Um, the writing is so immersive, and I became completely lost in Caroline's story. And like, I found myself being like, why did the author choose these things? Like, why did she decide to put all these things together? Why are we reading about a story in pre-recession Europe and, you know, about a, a former Olympic runner? And why was she from South Africa? And, like, just... Oh, I just loved it so much. I've been going on about it for quite some time now. Uh, so I want to give content warnings for death of a loved one and grief, car accident, racism, sexism, ableism, 
Miscarriage and Pregnancy Trauma, Body Shaming, and Infidelity. This amazing book is The Force of Such Beauty by Barbara Borland. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Wow. So my first pick is Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey. And I have read, I'm pretty sure, everything that they have written. So I was really excited to pick up this book. They have written like The Echo Wife and Magic for Liars and um, Upright Woman Wanted. So like lots of really great genre bending, um, sort of leaning towards speculative books. So Just Like Home is about Vera, who is like I think a 30-something woman who has just received a call from her mother. Her mother's name is Daphne. And her mother has called to let her know that she is dying. And she wants Vera to come home for her final days and to just sort of take on whatever's left in the duties of the house and the estate. And Vera is reluctant, yet also eager to go home because, as it turns out, Vera's father, Francis, was a rather famous serial killer who was arrested and exposed when Vera was a teenager. And she has not been back home, basically, since her father was arrested and taken away and her mom sort of shoved her out of the house. And so this is like one of those cases where there's been a lot of press, a lot of coverage of her father as a serial killer, he's now passed away, but also of, you know, what he did. And what he did was rather, you know, horrific. So Vera has not been home to the house that they they shared when she was growing up. And to like make things even more, you know, shivery and complicated, her father committed a lot of the murders and the crimes like in that house and on that property. So yeah, it's a very like famous house now. And Vera's mom, Daphne, has been making ends meet in the um, intervening years by basically like renting out a shed on the property to people who are like artists and writers and people interested in the crimes, um, which is kind of icky and like eh, kind of like voyeuristic, but it's how she has been able to pay the bills. So Vera arrives home. It's chilling. It's atmospheric. It's like all like the heebie-jeebies. And her mom is very, very sick. And there is this artist that is there. And he's got this vision for painting. And he wants to know all of Vera's secrets, but Vera does not want to give him anything. So she's cleaning up the house. She's dealing with the past. And she's also dealing with the fact that the house is probably haunted. So I will leave it at that. I really like this book. I mean, I think if if you want like a very creepy haunted house, mystery, lots of layers of secrets. This is definitely a great book. I Like I said, I've read pretty much everything that Sarah Gailey has written. This is not my favorite book by them, but it's it's a good solid pick. And yeah, I don't think that they've done horror before. So this is definitely along the horror line. Content warning for torture and body horror and like violence and I, I'm not recalling anything else off the top of my head. But yeah, that's just like Home by Sarah Gailey. And Liberty, I know you read this one too. What were your thoughts? Everything you said. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love the cover. The cover yes. is amazing. It's very like last cabin in the woods, but bright. And yeah, there I, I just 
I'm trying not to say something because there's something I saw, like a commercial um, recently that I was like, that could be the sequel to Just Like Home. <laughs> and I'm going to send it to you, but I yes. can't tell you what it is because it would be a spoiler. Yes, yeah, send it to me. <laughs> but, yeah. No, it's really fun. Yeah. You know, I read it as soon as I got it and I was like, why would anyone stay in this house? Right. You know, like, why would you continue to live here? Like, what? Like, burn it to the ground. Come on. Seriously. Yeah, but then you wouldn't have, like, a fun story. Yeah, My husband is always saying things like that to me. I'd be like, why would they do that? Why would they go in there? And he's like, because then you wouldn't have a story. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, look at him being so reasonable. I know I hate it. <laughs> Somebody has to be, though. So I am very excited because my next pick is actually out in paperback today. And I believe Vanessa talked about it when it came out in hardcover. But I just read it for myself a couple of months ago. And I'm just over the moon about it. It is A Master of Gin by P. Jelly Clark. And this is actually a full-length novel. There's a story called Dead Gin in Cairo. And then there's a no- novella called Haunting of Tramcar... 015. And you don't have to have read those stories to enjoy this novel, but there is like a character, the main character in this book is uh, featured in the story and also makes a small appearance in The Haunting of Tramcar 015. Um, and they do mention a couple of other things. So, plus they're all so amazing and have won, all won like a gazillion awards. A Master of Gin just won the 2022 Nebula for Best Novel. And I somehow just didn't get around to reading it until a couple months ago and started at the beginning with the story and read them all in one day. I was just like, oh, so good. They're set in an alternate Egypt. It's Cairo 1912, an agent Fatma of the Ministry of Alchemy, Enchantments, and Supernatural Entities has a new case, and it's a big one. Now, in this land, there was a man that they call Al-Jahiz, and he opened a portal. He pulled back the veil between our world and the world of jinn and ghosts and magic about 40 years ago, and then disappeared. So thanks for that. Now we've got all this stuff going on. Most of it good. The jinn are cool, like some of the other, the other magical beings are pretty cool, but... Now, and like now Fadma has a job, right? Because magic has to be investigated and regulated. So she works, like I said, for the, this ministry. She works with jinn and other magical beings. And so at the beginning of this book, there's a very famous, very rich Englishman who has become obsessed with Al Jahiz, the man that that pierced that veil. He, he did, and then he disappeared. Like, nobody knows where he is. But this Englishman is, like, obsessed with him so much so that he moves to Cairo and he starts this secret society with, like, his friends. You know, they, like, worship him. And then they all get murdered. All of them. And now Fatma must figure out what happened. Who killed them? And in the meantime, her boss has given her a partner, a young woman, and Fatma works alone. She doesn't want a partner, but her boss says too bad you need to work with this young woman and so she's like begrudgingly taking on a rookie and her partner is like very bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and just so eager to please and fat was like oh something bad's gonna happen to her like she's so naive but you know everybody still start out somewhere there's also uh, a mysterious woman that fatma met on another case who's helping her out And this crime is going to take her down a dark and dangerous path where she will uncover secrets, both 
magical and not, as well as meet an adversary who might be behind the whole thing that seems impossible to capture, impossible to kill, and also, annoyingly, is becoming beloved by the people of Cairo. So she's going to have to, like, try and take down this guy that more and more people are like, oh, he's awesome. Maybe he's, like, helping us out. And so she's got her hands full. The world in these books are, it's, like, so detailed. And it's fun and mysterious and magical. It's funny. They're a little scary. There's some gross stuff. But I love them. That's all I I guess that's how I'm going to end that. I do want to give content warnings for this book for violence, gore, and murder, grief, racism, and xenophobia, colonialism, and cultural appropriation. This is A Master of Gin by P. Jelly Clark. Awesome. I have not read that one, but I did read Ring Shout. Yes. I, I forgot to mention that yeah. he's the author behind Ring Shout, which is also fantastic. Oof. Yeah. Very good. Um, so, okay. My second pick is The Daughter of Dr. Moreau by Silvia Morando-Garcia, who many of you might know as the author of Mexican Gothic. I, you know, was really eager to read this book because I feel like every time I read a Silvia Moreno-Garcia book, no matter what genre she decides to write in this time, I learn a lot about the history of, like, Mexico and Central America and just, you know, a lot of things that was not taught in my history classes, which is one of the reasons why I love historical fiction. So this book is, as you might be able to glean from the title, a retelling of, or yeah, sort of like a retelling, like recast of The Island of Dr. Moreau, um, which is by H.G. Wells. And I don't know, Liberty, did you ever read anything by H.G. Wells or The Island of Dr. Moreau? I have not. I have read this book, though. Yeah. So there you go. So I'm just going to go on the record as saying it's exactly like that book. I have no idea. <laughs> well, I have not read The Island of Dr. Moreau. Um, I I did look up a Wikipedia <laughs> summary just because I got like halfway through this book and I was like, how how much are we sticking to, you know, the original? And obviously from my, my Wikipedia browse, The Island of Dr. Moreau does not have a daughter in it. And so this is kind of like a new addition to the cast. Um, It is about Carlotta. She is the daughter of Dr. Moreau and they live in um, Yashaktun, which is an estate that's kind of set away from the world, kind of tucked into some dense jungle. They don't get a lot of visitors. And you soon find out that the reason for that is because Dr. Moreau has been doing these interesting experiments and um, he has been working on creating human and animal hybrids. And one of the reasons he's doing that is because he wants labor. So yeah, it's like some icky sort of slave labor type situation going on but he's also like really into science and he's like whoa you know how far can we push these things um you also find out that carlotta um as his daughter has this um blood disease that would have killed her if not for his scientific experiments um so their lives are kind of upset with the arrival of a man named montgomery and he's kind of supposed to be like 
a research assistant slash, I don't know, like overseer slash spy for Dr. Moreau's very wealthy benefactor. And he is really shocked when he arrives to see like what's going on. He's kind of like, he can't believe that, you know, Dr. Moreau is doing all these wild experiments and actually, you know, doing them somewhat successfully. But he's also kind of got his own dark, tragic past and he's got his own vices. And so he's like, okay, I'm here for this job. So um, that's kind of what's going on. And then the book um, moves forward a number of years and we see what happens when the son of Dr. Moreau's benefactor arrives and he arrives to Yashaktun and then becomes obsessed with Carlotta and it sets off this like very long string of events that are kind of inevitable and unstoppable once they begin. So if you like the historical aspect of like Mexican Gothic, this isn't a horror novel. It's more like, I would say science fiction with like some nice historical elements. Um, it's set in like, I think it's like the 1880s, 1890s. It's supposed to be set. So pretty close to like the time period of the original source material. Yeah, if you like historical fiction, if you like some science fiction mixed in with your history, definitely going to give you a heads up, though, for um, some body horror, some, you know, experimentation. There's violence. There is alcohol and drug abuse. So just, you know, keep that in mind if you're going to wade into this book. But I thought that it was a really interesting a great example of how somebody can take a classic and take a lot of like the big elements and then like completely, you know, interpret them in a slightly different context and really, I think, add to the story in a really exciting way. So again, I have not read the original source material. I I don't think I want to go read that original book, but I really enjoyed reading The Daughter of Dr. Moreau by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. Okay, I want to give another shout out. I think I did it last week too, but I just want to shout out quickly the album of Dr. Moreau by Daryl Gregory, which I talked about on the show last year. It's a novella. It's about some human animal hybrids that are in a boy band. It's pretty rad. Mm. Um, and also spins off of Dr. Moreau, which again, I have not read. Nor have I watched the movie. Isn't it like the movie with like Marlon Brando? Is it Marlon Brando? Yeah. yeah. Apparently, I mean, I'm reading a lot of like reviews online because now I was curious about the movie. And a lot of people are like, oh, the movie's terrible. But I'm like, I, I don't know if it's like actually terrible or if it's like can't be terrible. So we'll see. Mm. I, yeah, right. Because I remember when it came out, it got horrible reviews then too. <laughs> so I did not watch it, but. All right, so those are books that we have read. Now we are going to talk about some more releases from today that we are excited about that we haven't necessarily read. But first, we are going to hear from another sponsor. Okay, so uh, I just want to briefly mention my next pick, which is Dirtbag, Massachusetts, a confessional by Isaac Fitzgerald. This is a memoir in essays. I'm very excited about this one. Isaac Fitzgerald is a big figure in the literary scene. He, I mean, as long as I've been working in this industry, you know, I knew him from the rumpus and he also weirdly, his brother lives in the town where I live, which is like small world. And (laughs) you might know him, you know, either from Twitter or for the rumpus or he's been on the today show a whole bunch of times. He goes on the today show and does recommendations. He is 
I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time with him, but I, you know, have met him on a few occasions, and he just seems like a genuinely nice, interesting guy. You know, like, he takes the time to, like, listen to everybody and talk to everybody, and he seems very down-to-earth for having all these, like, celebrity friends and being on the Today Show, and this is his memoir about growing up in Boston um, when he was a little kid. It looks like it's going to detail some violence in his family home when he was young. Uh, He spent some time in a homeless shelter as a child. It says here that he ends up, when he gets older, bartending in San Francisco and smuggling medical supplies into Burma, um, which is wild. People can fit so much stuff in their life. Um, But he talks, you know, about, you know, his travels. I know that he was doing this, like, walking goal where he, like, walked everywhere or walked across the country. I can't remember. Something like that. Um, he's just so interesting, and if you go and look at the reviews of this, it has about 8 million blurbs from authors that I love and you love and we all love, saying the exact same thing that I was speculating, that, you know, he's just a really genuine, down-to-earth, generous person, and I'm really looking forward to reading Dirtbag, Massachusetts, A Confessional by Isaac Fitzgerald. Awesome. That sounds great. The next book that I'm excited about coming out today is Young Blood by Sasha Lawrence. And this is a YA book. It is a YA vampire book because vampires are back. And I'm excited about this one because this is a queer vampire book. So I, I, I have to say, I do. People sometimes roll their eyes when they hear, like, oh, you know, certain trends and genres and YA are coming back. But I have to say I'm here for it if it means that like people who missed out the boat the first time this trend was popular and were not able to publish because, you know, whatever, publishing wasn't as diverse back then. So we're seeing more of these like vampire books and dystopians by people of color and queer people. And I think that's awesome. So Youngblood, it is about a very exclusive vampire school. It's like a a prep school and it's secretly vampires only. And in this world, vampires drink um, like this synthetic blood substitute. So they aren't killing humans, which that's good. And they, they have to drink this though, because humanity has this virus that makes their blood lethal to vampires. So not only is this like synthetic substitute, like absolutely necessary for vampires to survive, but it's also like really, really, really expensive. So people who are vampires that don't have a lot of money, they are in a tight spot. So in this book, Kat and her mom are poor They are vampires. They can barely afford their synthetic blood. Um, When Kat gets into this prestigious prep school, she's really excited because this could, like, offer her connections and give her a chance to, you know, get a a leg up in life and and be able to, like, secure her future in a very um, immediate sense and that, like, she'll have access to the synthetic blood, but also um, more long term. So... She is immediately roomed with Taylor, who is a very wealthy vampire, and she's very much of the wealthy world. And she is not at all happy to find that Kat is her new roommate. Um, They have some history there. They also have some barely contained attraction. And then they stumble upon a murder mystery. So then they have to work together to solve the mystery. And so I this like has a lot of the things that I'm excited about. 
there's, you know, prep school and there's a murder mystery and it's queer and vampires thrown in for good measure. It sounds fun. So that is Youngblood by Sasha Lawrence. Since we are talking about vampire books, I just want to mention that there's another book out today that I read. It's a middle grade graphic novel and it's called Lumberjackula by Matt Hagerty and Sam Owen. And it's really cute. And it's about vampire lumberjack. His dad is a vampire. His mom is lumberjack. And it's time for him to make a decision about what school he wants to go to now that he's leaving middle school and his dad wants him to go to the Vampire Academy and his mom wants him to go to Lumberjack School. But what he really wants is to go to Dance Academy because he just wants to dance. And please imagine me saying that in Adam Goldberg, dazed and confused voice. And it's just really cute. That sounds adorable. And also Lumberjackula, like, what a great name. Yes. So funny. So my next pick today, I'm basically just going to quote the publisher copy to you because it's an anthology, and so I cannot give you a plot to this. Um, and also, apologies in advance, I looked up both the contributors, and I could not find anyone online saying their names, so we're going to guess. It's Other Terrors, an inclusive anthology by Vince A. Leaguno and Rena Mason. And they are both Bram Stoker Award winners, and this anthology, it says, showcases authors from historically excluded backgrounds telling terrifying tales of what it means to be or merely to seem other. And it has some of the biggest names in horror right now, including Tanana Reef Du, Jennifer McMahon, S.A. Cosby, Stephen Graham Jones, Alma Katsu, Denise Dumars, Gabio Iglesias, Haley Piper, Nathan Carson... The list goes on and on and on and on and on, and I'm always down for some horror stories. Like, it's going to be really great. But, yeah, it has a focus on uh, horror writers from a multitude of underrepresented backgrounds. Uh, So, I think it's going to be rad. I'm going to read it this weekend. Preferably (laughs) when the lights are on. (laughs) Or the sun sun is out. I I don't know why, like, I never go to bed. So, I mean, what does it matter, like, when I read it, you know? How am I going to be scared if I'm never asleep? But I like to read horror when the, the sun is out for some reason. Um, so that is Other Terrors, an inclusive anthology by Vince A. Leaguno and Rena Mason. Awesome. Um, my last pick is Crumbs by Danny Sterling. And this is a graphic novel. And it's also um, an adaptation from a very popular um, webcomic. So it is about um, Ray, who is a seer. And she is struggling to come into her powers and kind of figure out what they mean for her. Um, she lives in a town where there is a bakery um, that she likes to go to. And um, the bakery is also kind of magic. It has these baked goods that are perfectly crafted for their customers to help them find their dreams. Um, so she likes going there and she meets Lori who's the barista at this bakery and wants to be a professional musician and they have this romance but you know they they are have their own dreams and Ray who is a seer can't see her future with with Lori and so she's not sure what this means um I don't know it just sounds really cute and sweet and I like you know, graphic novels with a little bit of magic, but also like feel sort of grounded in 
real life in like small and cozy ways. Um, this kind of reminds me of like mooncakes in a way. And I'm just going off of vibes because I haven't read Crumbs yet, but it looks really great. And it is by Danny Sterling. I also just got that. I had not read it yet, but um, since we're talking about you know, Lumberjackula and Crumbs and amazing graphic novels. And I know you like, you just said graphic novels that are grounded with a little bit of magic. I just read this two series graphic novel, middle grade graphic novel, um, that is not grounded in reality at all. Has some of the most beautiful artwork I have ever, ever seen. It is called Lightfall. Have you heard of this? No. So the first one came out in 2020. The second one came out in April of this year. Um, It's by Tim Probert and... They're absolutely gorgeous. They're just full of fantasy creatures. They're about this young girl whose grandfather uh, goes off to fix the world because he was supposed to be the keeper of the light, but he's forgetting things these days. And somehow one of the lights is allowed to break and release this evil thing, this bird into the world. Mm. Um, And so this young girl, she meets this like frog creature guy who wants to go on a quest with her to find her grandfather and also help, you know, restore the light. And it's just amazing. Amazing. Just So there's two of them. I don't know if there's going to be a third. I couldn't find anything online about it. It does sort of resolve itself in the second one, but there's also, like, some room for maybe something hmm. else to go on. Yeah. It's a little, like, Rutabaga Adventure Chef-y. Like, I got a little bit of that vibe, which I absolutely love that book. Anyway, I had to shout that out, too, because also I just, like, slipped sideways on my chair and leaned my face into the microphone. So that was really <laughs> very loud. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. It is time for a paperback roundup. I'm going to shout out a few titles that are out today uh, that you might want to pick up. Starting with Apples Never Fall by Leanne Moriarty. Moriarty is the author of Big Little Lies. I talked about this one when it was uh, out. I talked about this one when it was on the show. (laughs) When it was out. Uh, It's really fun. It's about a couple uh, who take in a stranger and then the mother goes missing and her, her adult children are all like, Dad, where's mom? And he's like, oh, you know, she's off. And they're trying to figure out what happened. Uh, Lorna Mott Comes Home by Diane Johnson. This is about a woman in France who's living a fabulous life, so she thinks, or so everyone else thinks, uh, with her husband and her grandchildren and her job and her friends, and she decides to leave her husband and France and return to her home in America. Intimacies by Katie Kitamura, which was nominated and or won like a bunch of things last year. I talked about it on the show when it came out. It's about an interpreter who works at The Hague and is drawn into these cases, these personal dramas. Um, She has a married lover. uh, Her friend witnesses a a violent crime. And she becomes increasingly interested in like all the stuff that's going on around her. Grave Reservations by Sherry Priest. This is where we're at now. I think I talked about this on the show, but I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I did. It's about the psychic travel agent who tells a police officer not to get on a plane, and he believes her, and so he doesn't, and then the plane catches on fire, and now he thinks that she has all the answers, so he's roped her into helping him solve a cold Mm -hmm. case, but it turns out that she has a cold case of her own. And I think the second one is coming out. 
really soon. There's a second one to this. The Kissing Bug, moving on to nonfiction, a true story of a family, an insect, and a nation's neglect of a deadly disease by Daisy Hernandez. This one also was nominated and or won a bazillion awards. And it's about how Hernandez's aunt died when she was little and she was told it was because she ate some bad food. But it turns out that she actually died of Chagas, which is a rare uh, illness that affects the heart and digestive system and is quite prevalent in the United States and people still aren't paying attention to it or talking about it. The Letters of Shirley Jackson by, I'll give you three guesses, Shirley Jackson, <laughs> or uh, I have this hardcover. It's absolutely gorgeous. Like this is like one that I had to have in hardcover, but there's going to be a paperback of this one now. Shirley Jackson, the author of We Have Always Lived in the Castle, The Haunting of Hill House. They shouted out my favorite Shirley Jackson story on Jeopardy the other night. I was, like, jumping on the couch. I was like, Charles, 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 Charles. <laughs> and my husband's like, okay, calm down. I'm like, it's my favorite story. I get so excited when they do literary categories. Uh, moving on. This is Your Mind on Plants by Michael Pollan, which is, it says, a radical challenge to how we think about drugs and an exploration into the powerful human attraction to psychoactive plants and the equally powerful taboos. Uh, America on Fire, The Untold History of Police Violence and Black Rebellion Since the 1960s by Elizabeth Hinton is out today. Uh, for something completely different, Aaron's Diary, an official Dairy Girls book by Lisa McGee, is now in paperback. I have the hardcover of this. If you are a Dairy Girls fan, you definitely want this book. It's amazing. It's Ooh. full of pictures and all kinds of artwork and all kinds of photos from the show. So it's really fun. Love Dairy Girls. Oh, yeah. I'd like... I keep thinking that I'm forgetting that the third season is out, but it's not, right? It's only out... It's out in the UK. In the UK. It's not yeah. out here, sadly. Because, like, I'm not really great at keeping track of this stuff anymore. Um, I had a really fabulous day the other day when I realized that both uh, What We Do in the Shadows has started again and Bob's Burgers, the movie, was out. So I watched <laughs> all of those. I was like, yay, best day. But I keep thinking that Dairy Girls is out. It's not. Uh, so Death by Landscape by Elvia Wilk. Is a paperback original. Uh, these are nonfiction essays about. It says it. Uh, she asks, "What kinds of narratives will help us rethink our human perspective towards Earth?" Sounds exciting. Uh, if you want some horror, there's a paperback original today called "Mary: An Awakening of Terror" by Nat Cassidy about a woman named. I'll give you three guesses. Mary, who is older, and she's experiencing some changes in her life, as you do as you get older, but also she's, like, freeform writing some pretty scary stuff that a known serial killer uh, might have something to do with. So, what's going on there? There's also the paperback original The Accidental Pinup by Danielle Jackson, in which rival photographers are forced to collaborate on a body-positive lingerie campaign but they might have to change their minds about each other when sparks start to fly. And last but not least, in YA, out in paperback now, is Vampires, Hearts, and Other Dead Things by Margie Fuston, which is about a teenage girl whose father is dying, and she decides that the way to save him is to get a vampire to come and bite him and keep him alive forever. So she travels to New Orleans to look for a vampire, because I guess if you have to look for a vampire, that's probably the place to go. So those are our paperback releases today. Well, not ours. I mean, we didn't do it. Like, <laughs> but what we're going to talk about today, I guess. So Tirza, what are you going to read next? 
Um, so next up, oh, so many options. Um, I think I'm actually going to pick up, um, The Gifts That Bind Us by Caroline O'Donoghue. So I, the other, like, I don't know, I guess it's been about a month ago now. I picked up All Our Hidden Gifts and it is this Irish set, um, sort of eerie book about, uh, this teenage girl, she is going to Catholic school. Um, she lives in Ireland. And while she is cleaning out a closet during her detention, she uncovers this tarot deck. And she becomes really fascinated by it. And she learns how to um, read the cards and give readings. And she discovers that she has this really good knack for reading tarot. And so she's like, got this side hustle where she's giving all the girls in her school these readings. And when she gives her ex-best friend a reading, her ex-best friend pulls a card that should not exist in the deck. The card is called the housekeeper. The housekeeper card is very eerie and very scary. And they have a disagreement. And like the next day, her best friend disappears. So that is, yeah, yeah. And then so she has to like figure out like what is going on. So it's kind of creepy. Um, It's got a little bit of a magical mystery to it. I really liked the Irish setting. Um, It's also got a really great romance. It's got a queer romance in it. I really enjoyed the book. Um, So that was all our hidden gifts. And then the sequel just came out like maybe a month ago, maybe not even a month. Um, And it's called The Gifts That Bind Us. And I have not had a chance to pick it up yet, but I've been itching to pick it up. So I think that's probably my next read. Exciting. Yeah. I just got my hands on Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson, which comes out in March. I'm excited about this because Jenny Jackson is one of the best known editors in the business. She has edited so many amazing novels. I can't even name them all right now. Uh, And this is her first novel that she's written herself. So I'm really excited about that. And I also got the sequel to Legendborn by Tracy Dion, which is a fantastic YA fantasy, which we all love here at Book Riot. And the second one is called Bloodmarked. It comes out in November. And I'm going to read that. And I'm going to read that anthology of horror stories. And I'm going to read 800 more books this weekend. I think I can do it. I believe in you. I think I can. Thank you. So that's it for today, book lovers and all my little ATBs. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at Book Riot. Send us pictures of your pets. We love getting them. Uh, you can find us online, Tears us on Twitter at Tears of Price. That's T-I-R-Z-A-H. P-R-I-C-E. Let me just reiterate how jealous I am that you have a Z in your <laughs> name. Uh, you can mostly find me on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive, which also has a Z in it, but it's not my name. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And if you want to apply for the Editorial Operations Associate position, go to bookriot.com slash join dash us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, anonymous unicorn, <laughs> happy, happy reading. reading.